name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today's gospel, I can say with all honesty, is one of the most revealing gospel passages of one miraculous day in the life of Jesus at the height of his ministry of healing and miracles. A few places will give us a more defined look at what life with Jesus would have been like for his disciples in these amazing times. It also reveals today to us a very important thing that I want to point out, and that is the accessibility and the way that our Savior was never too busy to intercede for those in need. We're actually in a little series right here through Mark's Gospel and the Lectionary, which really and truly is about faith. And today we're going to see Jesus demonstrate the power over death and disease. And as we remember last week, He demonstrated His power over nature by calming the sea. That passage went on to reveal His power to demonstrate His ability to cast out demons. And He banished a legion of demons into a herd of pigs at Gadara, who then all ran into the sea committing suicide. Sorry, I have to do that every time this comes up. I can't help it. But in the reading that you just heard today, Jesus will demonstrate His power over both disease and death in a two-for-one miracle sandwich from Mark's Gospel that I told you about earlier this year. Mark writes in this style where he'll combine stories within a single story, and probably no place is it more beautifully displayed than in this passage here today. Because our Gospel lesson today introduces us to two very different people but two people with something in common on this day. These were two people who were desperately seeking Jesus. Two people reaching out today in this message that I title, Reaching Out in Faith for a Miracle. Reaching Out in Faith for a Miracle. Reminds me of an old story of this mountain climber. This guy had almost reached the very top of this summit when he slipped and began sliding off this steep cliff. In total desperation, just before going over the edge, he reaches out in desperate faith and grabs hold of a little branch that's hanging there. And as he hung on there for dear life, he cried out in hope for a miracle. Crying out in hope for a miracle. Help me, help me, is anybody up there? A voice responded, I am the Lord. I am here. Do you believe me? Oh, yes, Lord, I believe. I surely believe. Well, if you believe, you have nothing to fear. Just let go of the branch. Well, there was a brief pause, and then the climber yelled out again, Is anybody else up there? (laughs) Isn't that often what we do? Isn't that what we do when we usually come to the end of our best efforts? We come to the end of ourselves. We grasp for a miracle only after our best efforts have failed. Usually after seeking other people, places, and things for a fix or for a cure. 
And then in total desperation, we seek the Lord, but we often seek Him with very weak faith. When today's gospel, these two people we meet are desperate individuals. They've arrived at that place. And they're reaching out in faith for a miracle. And this morning I want us to examine some of the obstacles which could have easily prevented them and can still prevent us today from reaching out in faith for a miracle when we need them in our lives. These two totally different people in our gospel are really an interesting pair when you look at them. One is a well-known man. The other, an unknown woman. One rich, one poor. One respected, one rejected. One honored, one ashamed. One leads a synagogue, it tells us. The other would have been excommunicated from the synagogue. One with a 12-year-old daughter who is dying, and the other with a 12-year-old disease who is suffering. But total desperation has brought these two very different individuals today seeking our accessible Savior in hopes of a miracle, despite, in hopes of a miracle despite their desperate circumstances. I believe we can learn something very valuable from them both. So join me on this slide, which is hard to see. I apologize. We're just it's weak light in here to see. But we're going to pick it up here starting at verse 22. And I'll start tearing these verses apart for us. Verse 22 tells us that Jairus here this morning was a ruler in a synagogue. He would have been a very prominent man, a man of prestige in his community, a very well-respected leader, a man who is looked up to, a man whose friends, colleagues, and superiors, I should point out, would have been at complete opposition to the teachings of Jesus Christ. But on this day, we're not looking at Jairus as a synagogue leader. Today, Jairus shows up as a desperate dad. A dad pleading with Jesus to lay his hands on his dying daughter so that she might be healed and live. This little girl, my friends, needed the healing touch of Jesus. COVID has revealed to us the importance of human touch, has it not? We miss that in our lives, don't we? It's been one of the terrible things we've had to endure through the COVID season. The other person in our passage today could be anyone. This nameless woman that shows up in verse 25, it tells us, had been suffering from an incurable condition for 12 long years. And unlike Jairus, who was well respected in the community, she would have been rejected, isolated from the community. COVID, once again, has given us a taste of social separation, hasn't it? Just imagine, my friends, 12 years of social separation. That's what this woman had endured. In fact, Jewish law placed her among the outcasts of their society, much like a leper. Among those to be avoided at all costs, she would have been unable to enter the synagogue or the temple. In fact, under their code of law, if she touched you, that would have defiled you and made you ceremonially unclean also. 
I should also point out here, and I want to, that this, this story right here is recorded in all three synoptic Gospels. And whenever that occurs, my friends, I would encourage you to read the other versions of this story because they will give you a deeper, better understanding of the event. The same way if four people saw an accident, or three of them did, we all saw an accident, we could agree on that, but we would have all taken away separate details. The Gospels provide us that as well. Mark tells us here in verse 26, though, that this desperate woman suffered much, and I love this, she suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had trying to get well. <laughs> but it tells us that she never got better. In fact, she got worse. That's not a very good plug for the first century Galilean Medical Association, I'd say. <laughs> but let me point this out. How many desperate souls today will turn on a TV and throw their last dollar at some faith healer on TV that will take all they've got and they'll never usually get better. Luke, however, in his gospel story on this story right here today, who is a physician, Luke exercised a little professional discretion in his gospel account by simply stating the woman was incurable. Took the easy high road out on that one. On a little side note, I think that's of interest, according to the Jewish Talmud, and that was their guide of teaching and knowledge, there were some toxins and astringents at that time that some of the more expensive doctors were using. But the more common remedies I thought you may find interesting. One remedy for a woman suffering from this condition found in the Talmud was to carry the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen bag in the summer and carry them in a cotton bag in the winter. Don't get that one, but apparently it did work. <laughs> or she could drink wine with crocuses and wild onions. That probably didn't work either, but it may have numbed the, <laughs> the condition for a short season. I don't know. But obviously none of these things had worked because that's what the te te text tells us. And as bizarre as those things may seem to us today, are they any more bizarre and thinking we can find a cure through our home remedies today, or that we can find a cure through a magazine, a self-help book or something in a checkout line in a store, or that we can find a cure by listening to some talk show host that's going to make things better in our lives? That's just bizarre. Just as bizarre as the remedies they had in the first century. You see, this poor woman and Jairus were both desperately reaching out in faith for a miracle. They had nothing else and no one else to put their hope and faith in. No one. They had come to the end of themselves and their abilities. And that being said, I want to ask you the first of three questions you're going to hear today. And the first one being this. What are you putting your hope and faith in today in your life? What are you putting your hope and faith in? Is it your education? Maybe it's modern medicine. Maybe it's your finances, your money. Well, there's nothing wrong with putting your faith in any of those things. But there's a lot of cemeteries that are full today with a lot of people that had a lot of money that couldn't get well. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if you're counting on them, my friend, as the foundation of your hope 
trust and faith, I've got some bad news for you. At some point, you're going to come and find yourself at the doorstep of desperation. Truth is, people, that people, places, and things will inevitably leave us disappointed, discouraged, depressed, and at some point, desperate. Faith in anything, faith in anything other than our all-sufficient Savior will eventually take us to spiritual bankruptcy. And maybe that's God's plan. It could be. That's what happened in my life. It happens in a lot of people's lives. So what should we do when we arrive at that point? When you get to the end of yourself, what should exactly we go about doing? Well, we should do exactly what these two desperate souls did. We should seek Jesus. Point one today, seek Jesus. First and foremost, we have to make sure that we are reaching and seeking in the right place. We must seek and reach out for Jesus. Secondly, we must be willing, my friends, to go against the flow. We have to be willing to go against the flow. Let's pick it up at verse 27. What does it reveal? Well, verse 27 tells us that this woman thought, if only I could touch his clothes, I will be healed. If only I could touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Notice that she displays no doubt. Only faith. I just got to get to him. And I'll be well. This outcast woman had to push through a massive crowd to even get close to Jesus, which would have been unthinkable, my friends, in her condition because she was defiled in their understanding. And keep in mind, this anemic woman <laughs> had been sick for a very long time. It would have been very easy for her to just give up and accept her condition as just being an incurable condition, as being her lot in life. Isn't that what we sometimes do? We just give up and think, well, this is my lot in life. Often people do that. And we can find ourselves in that very same place too. But not this woman. No, she had heard about Jesus. She had heard about Jesus and was willing to go against the flow and do whatever it took to get near enough to Him to touch Him, to just touch His cloak. And she went out and risked it all to find Him. And what about our friend Jairus here this morning? Jairus is a respected, powerful, prominent man. He's taking a huge risk. He's risking seeking Jesus because he was risking his reputation. He was risking his position in the synagogue, in the community, by putting his faith in Jesus that they opposed. But Jairus was desperate. And he was by all means on this day going against the flow of in every sense of the word. Both Jairus and this woman are willing to go against the flow at all costs. They were both willing to take a risk by seeking Jesus and reaching out to Him in hope with desperate faith when hope was nowhere in sight. And that brings us to the next question. 
What strong currents might be pulling you away from faith in Jesus today? What might those currents be in your life? Could it be your friends, your work, your hobbies, your hang-ups, or maybe some sin that you just can't let go of? Or maybe, like this unnamed woman in our passage today, it's the length of time you have been hopelessly struggling for some relief or some cure. Or maybe, just maybe, it's the inevitability of your situation that is preventing you from going against the flow and reaching out in weak faith to Jesus. Folks, faith, faith does not float downstream. Faith swims upstream. Faith requires us to trust and hope in the unseen, in the impossible, the same way a bunch of people are doing in Miami this morning. And as we heard last week in our little faith journey series through Mark here, Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Nothing, I don't think, that I've ever seen illustrates our lack of faith so well as a little African impala. The little impala can jump to a height of 10 feet and cover a distance of more than 30 feet. Yet that little impala can be kept in a zoo with a mere three-foot wall. Why? Because it won't jump out if it can't see where its feet will land. Folks, faith is our ability to believe what we cannot yet see. Only by faith are we freed from those flimsy enclosures of fear which trap and enslave us. And as we learned last week, only faith can overcome fear, right? Friends, faith in Jesus enables us to believe in the impossible. This suffering woman today had complete faith in Jesus. She just needed to get close to Him. She put her faith in the impossible. She believed that just by touching that robe, she would be healed. After reaching out and encountering Jesus, He said to this woman in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And she was healed instantly. It's beautiful. There was no rehab with Jesus in the healings either, folks. When Jesus healed people, they were completely healed. And notice right here that Jesus pinpoints her faith. Pinpoints her faith as the thing that healed and saved her. Not faith in faith itself, but faith in Jesus. And faith in Jesus' power to heal and to save. Don't we all need that? Because all the people that we're praying for that we don't see healed on this side that are believers will be healed. And while that conversation was taking place, it tells us that right then, someone walks up. Jesus was still speaking to the woman. And the text tells us in verse 35, someone come up to Jairus and said to him, It's too late. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Faith test time. Faith tests come in our lives, my friends. And one just showed up with Jairus at this very moment. I'd love to have seen his face when that news came to him. I'm sure he was completely 
dejected. And that it seems on the surface that this delay may have proved deadly. But hearing the news of the girl's death, it tells us, Jesus says to this devastated dad in verse 36, Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Really, Jesus? Hey man, death is final, right? Folks, Jairus' faith in Jesus was being tested. So Jesus says to him, do not fear, only believe. And Jairus believed in the impossible. Jairus believed with complete faith all things are possible with Jesus. So let me ask you the final question today. Is there something that seems impossible in your life today? Is there something that's bigger than you are that's taking you to your knees? In your mind, have you wandered too far to be forgiven? Does your condition or your circumstance seem impossible to fix or to overcome? Well, let me share something with you. There was a time in my life that I could say that. You see, folks, like the woman in this story today, I once suffered from a condition which there is no medical cure. And to this day, there still isn't. And like her, after coming to the end of myself and trying everything, I found myself on my knees in total desperation, reaching out in desperate faith to Jesus for a miracle. And hearing my desperate cry, our always available Savior came to my rescue and freed me from the bondage of alcohol. And then he placed me on an amazing journey. And I would end up getting a degree in addiction counseling. I would end up opening AA meetings at all the churches I serve, and we'll have one here in the fall. And it eventually would lead me to holy orders, and it led me to this pulpit in Texas, like it did North Carolina, in Georgia, Florida, and the places I never thought I'd be. Because Jesus did the impossible. And every time I have moments of doubt, I can look in the mirror and see a miracle. Man, they still happen every day. You see... Friends, I haven't just studied this passage, I've lived it. And I know firsthand that our accessible Savior specializes in things thought impossible. In closing today, never forget that we have an available, accessible, divinely capable Savior. So if some situation, condition, or circumstance seems impossible, in your life or in the life of someone you love today, for heaven's sake, keep praying. And remember what we've learned through this faith journey for the last two weeks. Seek Jesus. Go against the flow. Do not fear. Do not doubt. Just believe. And like an old-timer told me many years ago in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, son, don't quit before the miracle happens. Friends, the good news is miracles still happen every day. Jesus is still stopping the bleeding. 
Jesus is still curing the incurable. And Jesus is still raising the dead to eternal life. Praise be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.